Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Divine Renovation Podcast Advent Series. I'm your host, Jacqueline Marie, and I'm joined today by DR Canada Executive Director, Eric Myatt. Welcome. Good to be with you, Jacqueline. So today we're moving into the fourth week of Advent, peace. Last week, we spoke with Sister Mary Magdalene and Sister Florence Letitia about the role of joy in our church today. Uh, So you can go back and listen to all three of the Advent series where we focus on hope, love, and joy so far. And today, Eric, I am so excited to speak with you on our peace episode. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Peace, a good topic for this season. As a fellow Canadian, I am always excited to hear what God is doing in the church in our region. So can you share with us, Eric, a bit about what Divine Renovation Canada has been up to in 2022? Yeah, sure thing. And shout out to our Canadian listeners. I'm on the East Coast, but we're connected with with leaders and priests and parishioners all across the Canada and um, the Canada. I like that. <laughs> hey, we're spanning coast to coast, though, because you you are East Coast and I am West Coast. So Canada's are, a big place. We're the whole thing. It's a large place. There are um, 3,700 parishes in Canada, and I think around 6,000 priests, and um, last I checked, 59 Latin dioceses. So it's a big place. There's a Wait, lot. did you just say 6,000 priests in Canada? Yes. Wow. I, I think so, if my research served me right. <laughs> no, I'm just... Edit that I out, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like in the ministry in Canada, even though Divine Renovation has been around for years, we are really just still getting started. And yet we've been able to connect with more people in this past year than we've ever had in the past. So this last year in 2022 has been such a a blessing. The Lord has uh, really led and and guided this and, and given us the chance to to help and support and journey with so many parishes and leaders. We've grown to be connected with uh, over 4,400 leaders in Canada through our various wow. events, our different different offerings, and that's including, um, I think, 440-some-odd uh, priests from Canada. And a number of those priests have journeyed with us through coaching. Um, at this time last year, we had only journeyed with... Um, around 70 in coaching, and now um, 126 priests have wow. have uh, been coached by Divine Renovation in Canada. So the movement wow. is really growing in Canada, but it's not about, about the growth of, of the ministry. It's about the growth of the movement. More and more priests and parish leaders getting hope that something new could happen in their parish and um, really mobilizing for for mission, so that more and more people can come to to meet Jesus, to experience His life transforming grace, and uh, uh, to this episode, experience the deep peace that only uh, Jesus can give. So more and more that's happening across Canada. So um, so that's what's been up in Canada in DR. One of the things that always amazes me, because obviously being Canadian, I I don't understand other 
culture's context until priests and parish leaders explain it to me when I'm speaking with them and hearing their stories. And one of the big things is geography here, because I'm used to a parish being a far geography location from one to the next because I've lived in small towns. Whereas when I hear people in Europe sometimes, it, it's like two kilometers away is another parish, and, which is greatly confusing. Can you speak at all to like the unique challenges, I suppose, of geography and the way that that plays into the landscape of, of Canadian parishes and when things like amalgamations and mergers happen? Yeah, it's funny because most parishes in Canada are rural. And um, I've heard that feedback a little bit in, in our, our work with Divine Renovation is that, okay, that's well and good for an urban or suburban context, but I'm in a rural parish where, you know, I don't have many staff, I don't have a whole lot of leaders to draw from, and everybody knows each other. But more and more, um, parishes, dioceses are connecting with us and seeing these principles bear fruit because it's not about being prescriptive, the um, implementing exactly what, uh, say, the Divine Renovation book says or what someone has found success in an urban context implementing, but it's about principles around which lead from maintenance to mission, which we're seeing more and more span contexts. And so we have parishes in, yeah, pretty rural and remote areas that are implementing these things and seeing fruit be born. And so we want to highlight and grow and uh, and um, support parishes in these kind of contexts into to next year and in the future because we're seeing that the principles actually bear fruit despite the context, including, as you mentioned, the rural, uh, the rural realities that most of Canada make up. Yeah, yeah. What's been a key highlight for DR Canada in 2022? Yeah, so uh, some of our listeners may have heard, but I'll, I'll just highlight it again because it's a beautiful story of mission. And uh, just backing up a, a little bit, a few years ago, um, a priest by the name of Father Mike Leclerc, he did a six-month internship at the birthplace of Divine Renovation, St. Benedict Parish uh, in Halifax, nearby where, where I live. And he was so amazed by the fruit of the parish's culture of evangelization uh, their focus on reaching out to the many that have wandered away from the church. And for him, the big highlight was at the Easter Vigil and where he was shocked to see six or seven, I think, adults being baptized. And he goes and calls back to his parish in Montreal, St. Ignatius, to see when the last time they had an adult baptism. And the answer he got was 1978. And he, as he shares, his heart broke. And uh, he said, we, we really need to repent of that. And so after his internship, he started getting, getting coached by Divine Renovation. And he began living out these, these principles that he witnessed lived out at St. Benedict. And uh, it's been a very difficult process, not uh, void of challenges. But he's persevered in this effort because of this vision of a missionary parish that was planted in him during his time in Halifax. So, so he began to see fruit, more people coming to know Jesus, growing in a relationship with him, people praying with and for each other, people inviting their friends to uh, take Alpha, a really beautiful fruitfulness. And um, Father Mike shares that he was in awe of all that God has done. And uh, so coming to this year, 
things have grown so much through the Lord's goodness and and as Father Mike shares his obedience to God's call. They've grown so much that that God's planted a new bold vision in Father Mike. He wants to see his, the whole city of Montreal come on fire for the mission of Jesus, not just his own parish. And so he's catalyzed a missionary partnership with a small struggling parish in Montreal. And it culminated this year in about two dozen parishioners stepping forward and being commissioned out of their cozy uh, spot of St. Ignatius to be missionaries, to see this vision begin to take shape. And so Father Mike took a parish from not being baptized, not having baptized any adults in almost 40 years to sending out missionaries to another parish. And uh, it's just a beautiful fruit and an amazing sign of God's faithfulness and goodness in the mission this past year. I love that you shared that story. And I think it really speaks to when you're talking about different contexts again, because Montreal is a unique beast in terms of a city. It's it's very secular. So in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, mission happening, like you say, regardless of where, it, it's the spirit moving, not whether or not our our city is the right fit for mission. Um, mm-hmm. So for you, Eric, where are you finding peace this Advent season? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, uh, my pastor, uh, Father Simon Lobo, he's the pastor at uh, St. Benedict, which I mentioned earlier. Um, this is going to sound like an odd place to find peace, but this weekend he preached on repentance. <laughs> mm. That's a weird place to find peace, I suppose. But um, his homily really uh, centered on this this idea that really gave me peace. And I thought I'd share. And he said this, our world says everything is permitted and some things can't be forgiven. Our God says some things can't be permitted and everything can be forgiven. So I guess I just find peace in that is through our our sincere turning to God and uh, and turning away from those things that we know get in the way of our relationship with him we can find peace forgiveness fullness of life we can find uh, Jesus ready to welcome us um, at any moment when we uh, turn turn to him so uh, anyway I found that that reflection that he gave this weekend really fruitful in my own life in regards to to experiencing uh, peace through, yeah. well, repentance of all places. Well, and I think that's exactly perfect to the direction that the interview we take today goes in terms of talking about peace this episode, because we are going to be interviewing Julia and Adam Kozak. Um, they're a really special couple. For DR regulars, you would have met Julia when she uh, led a reflection during the prayer for parish renewal in during Lent this year. But the two of them... Uh, were very involved with the papal visit to Canada this year, which had to do um, with uh, what in Canada is being called truth and reconciliation. But it's all about, Pope Francis called it, um, a penitential pilgrimage or a pilgrimage of penance. Uh, So there is something speaking exactly to what you're saying about this connection of peace um, and either individual or, or communal uh, repentance for things that we were part of that that were not right. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you know Julia and Adam Kozak? Yeah, Julia and Adam are incredible leaders in the church in Canada. I finally got to meet them in person at the Alpha Conference that was held in Toronto in September. And Julia opened the conference with this beautiful prayer and reflection. And uh, she's been an amazing leader in Canada in, as you mentioned, the reconciliation efforts with Canadian Indigenous people. And Julian and Adam served, as he said, on the team that welcomed Pope Francis to Canada this, this past summer. I'm really excited that um, that they get to be our guests on this podcast and have this conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will go right into that interview so that we can share more with all of our listeners about peace and the way it can relate to reconciliation. Thanks for joining us today, Eric. It's great to be with you, Jacqueline. Enjoy the conversation, everybody. Divine Renovation exists to inspire, connect, and equip priests and their parishes to go from maintenance to mission. For every Catholic parish to be a place where people can come and have their lives transformed by entering into relationship with Jesus. For more information about how your parish can move from maintenance to mission, go to divinerenovation.org. The interview that you're about to hear deals with subject matter that is specific to Canada, but also similar to many countries that, due to colonization, have had similar oppression and genocide of the Indigenous people. And so to give a little bit of understanding and background to it, I just want to briefly touch on a few points to do with the residential school system within Canada. And please look in our show notes where we have detailed many more resources. This episode is not intended to be a history and and as such, it leaves a lot of important details out within the episode. So if this is an issue that you don't know about or want further information on, we encourage you to look in the show notes. As a brief overview, the term residential schools refers to an extensive school system set up by the Canadian government and administered by churches. It had the nominal objective of educating Indigenous children, but also the more damaging and equally explicit objectives of indoctrinating them into Euro-Canadian ways of living. So it was about assimilation and there was explicit quotes such as killing the Indian in the child. This meant that there was not only abuse in terms of physical, spiritual, psychological, emotional, and sexual that went on at these schools, but that also children were ripped away from their families, their culture, and their languages even became something that they were not allowed to embrace. The effects of this system is very, very long-lasting and permeates all of Canadian culture due to the way that it intersected in the treatment and continued treatment of the original people of these lands. And so uh, the Pope's visit is actually based on an invitation, uh, a visit that happened earlier this year to the Vatican um, by certain delegates, which we, we go over in this interview, as well as one of the Truth and Reconciliations Commission's Call to Action, which we've also linked in the show notes if you're wondering what those are, um, where it specifically asks um, for the Pope to come to the land on Canada and apologize. Um, and you might be thinking, why during Advent is this an episode? <laughs> and why for Divine Renovation when we're talking about parish renewal? 
And we hope to answer that question in this interview. We hope to answer the question of what is the connection of reconciliation and renewal? What is the connection with peace and healing? And what is the connection in our own lives of seeking forgiveness and accepting forgiveness as a way that leads to peace and as a way that leads to renewal? So I think that Pope Francis gave us an unbelievably beautiful example of this, this year in this papal visit. And we're going to speak with Julie and Adam for their perspective as being part of that and intimately seeing how the fruit of healing changes people and can change the church. Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, Julia and Adam Kozak. I am so delighted to have you on for our Advent episode on peace. So we have been in touch over the past year and you have both just had a huge year. I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, But first, could you both introduce yourselves? Sure. Well, we're very, very happy to be here and and be part of this this podcast this this season. Um, I'll introduce Adam. Uh, this is this is my husband Adam, and uh, he works with the Archdiocese of Toronto, and um, in ministry uh, through our parish, Saint Gregory's in uh, Toronto. And uh, he's a very talented musician, and I like to say that he's able to play just about any instrument that he picks up. It doesn't really matter how random it is; <laughs> he's got a very good talent for that. All right, so. I'll introduce my wife, uh, Julia. Julia is an accomplished um, artist in the mediums of whether it's painting, beadwork, um, dance. Uh, Her background is Indigenous First Nations, um, and uh, uh, she's a great powwow dancer as well there. And, uh, And she also works with Alpha in a Catholic context uh, throughout Canada. Thank you. I love that you both introduced each other. One of the things that I learned very early on, the first time I met the two of you together, was um, the way in which God has called you as a couple, just because I saw so often the way you work as a team and complement each other's um, abilities through this. So it just seems really perfect that you introduced each other for us today. So I originally met Julia when we were doing the prayer for parish renewal back during Lent. So, Julia, we've now gone from Lent to Advent. So (laughs) we're going through the calendar together. Um, But you were praying for us as part of of that prayer campaign. And then since then, some very big things happened that you guys were invited to be part of. And I'd really love it if you could speak to us a little bit about what has happened for you this year. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the the biggest things that have happened to us this year was um, due to the fact that uh, we are Catholic and um, my First Nations Indigenous background, uh, we were invited and asked to be part of the what is called the programming team for the office of the papal visit for when the Holy Father came to um, do his uh, penitential pilgrimage to Canada and, and make an historic apology on Canadian soil. Um, to the Indigenous people for uh, the role that was played in the uh, residential schools, the Indian residential schools. And uh, so we were asked to relocate out to Edmonton and uh, 
Uh, Adam was the project manager for our team. So he was making sure we did everything that we were supposed to do and get done in time. And um, I was uh, the coordinator for Masquachis, which was the first stop that the Holy Father was making and where he made the first uh, apology. And uh, so just working on coordinating that and yeah, <laughs> so it was big. And we, we traveled across the nation with the Holy Father afterwards um, to Quebec City and to Iqaluit. And uh, yeah, it was a hugely impactful, impactful time. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, it was a uh, historic thing in the life of the church in Canada. Um, and primarily, yes, there was a focus with uh, Indigenous people, and rightfully so, but also something that all Canadians um, were looking at, and maybe in different ways, because there's a lot to unpack in what that means, in what reconciliation means, and what's the value of reconciliation, and, and how does that lead to healing, and how ultimately does that lead to goodness and peace? This is such a um, a big topic that even though our podcast is global and this is a Canadian story, I do feel like this is this is a, a very universal story because Canada is not the only country, obviously, that's dealt with issues of things like residential schools, even if they go by different names. Um, and so, but for those that are not coming from a Canadian context, can you give, I guess, a simplification of of the, both the request um, for the apology and, and where that's coming from, just to give it a little bit of a couch in the background. Sure. So maybe I'll give a crack at this. Okay. So by no means is this comprehensive, but because uh, there's a lot of history and, and what we're not doing today is a whole history lesson. However, though, it is good to have context for the papal visit to Canada in 2022. And so... The lead issue was um, probably um, put into motion by the the discovery of uh, remains uh, by Kamloops Residential School um, or uh, Indian Residential School with a lot of uh, Indigenous First Nations children uh, attended. The residential school or the Indian Residential School in Canada is an idea that was um, created by the Canadian government. And then it utilized the, the pipelines of uh, churches who were established in especially more remote areas of the country at the time. And then also um, to different degrees, um, mandatory schooling um, in a way that would be undignified uh, respecting the cultures from which so many Indigenous people to Canada, the Inuit, uh, Métis, First Nations, um, were, were put through. And there's different stories of different experiences, and all experiences are valid. And, um, and so the aftermath of the Indian residential school system have had impacts to this very day. We feel it in Canada. Um, and there's been a lot of negative effects. The idea was to, in one sense, um, enfranchise Indigenous people in Canadian life. However, uh, some major problems occurred 
where it was at the cost of erasing culture, uh, of of destroying binds within um, families and communities. And so that's a very oversimplification. So this a response uh, that was first uh, initiated in a big way by the Catholic Church lately after the uh, Kamloops um, residential schools discovery was initially a delegation sent to Rome to meet with the Holy Father representing different indigenous uh, groups and voices, which the Holy Father heard, and then issued an, an apology for those within the church who have done these atrocities, and also um, uh, acknowledging uh, the cultural impact. And then one of the calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation Commitment Commission a few years ago was to have the Holy Father come to Canada in a in an act of reconciliation on Canadian soil. That was extended and uh, Pope Francis accepted and things happened quickly. And so that part happened. Once again, that's a very much a broad overview, but gives us a little bit of the context for the papal visit to Canada in 2022. Thank you for that. that that's a hard task to try to simplify. Um, I agree with you when you say it seemed like it happened fast. So for both of you, was it a surprise to be part of the papal visit, to to have this role in something this momentous? Uh, I certainly wasn't expecting to be asked. Um, it was uh, someone that we know through the archdiocese um, that we've met before and worked with uh, for uh, other other projects um, who called us up and, and said, you're the first names that came to mind. Um, he was the, the project lead. And uh, so he said we were the first people that came to mind when um, he was looking to build a team. And um, yeah, I think it was just, we heard about the the Holy Father coming to Canada, I think about a month after the delegation went to Rome and um, that it was made official, basically. And uh, yeah, then we were we were asked, I wasn't expecting it. I was hoping to have, you know, perhaps some part of of it in conversations with people or connecting with people or seeing however we could help. But uh, to be placed in this role and um, to be asked to do so was great privilege. Yeah. And in addition to that, um, it's it's not like um, Julia or my, myself represent people, right? Like um, Julia's background of Indigenous, being a First Nations woman, myself, that's not my background. However, married into it. And so this is not a project, so to speak. Uh, it's not like something that just began. This is our life. So for years before being in the um, the culture, trying to understand things, and there's lots of different voices within this. This is not a monolith. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that we have um, in Canada, and this could be applied to, to people listening in different parts of the world as well. When we talk about uh, indigenous voices, sometimes you, uh, the term Aboriginal voices, is that oftentimes you have different nations or tribes or bands within that that have a diversity of thought and opinion. And then within that, you'll have um, smaller community groups. And of course, there's the dignity of the individual. And so I would challenge for uh, non-Indigenous people to, to think of 
um, when you think about indigenous voices, it's not simply like you would think of uh, someone from Europe. It's like, well, what's Europe food? It's like, well, there is no one Europe food. Are we talking about pasta? Are we talking about pierogies? Are we talking about, you can name a number of things. And indigenous um, uh, cultures, nations have a, a great diversity. diversity. They always have and they always will. There is unifying factors, yes. So um, when we were asked to be part of this project, um, is to try to facilitate um, some of that dialogue and and some of the great things that need to be placed in a timely manner because the Pope had the delegation come in late March of 2022. Uh, by late July, um, the Father, Holy Father Pope Francis is in Canada and typically we're told that papal visits will take about 18 months to two years planning. And that's not under these sorts of circumstances, which are very complicated. So this, all these things make it more historic. So that's a bit more of what happened. Like you say, this is not the same as if another papal visit in terms of a quote unquote regular thing. You use the term penitential. Um, so could you speak a little bit about what that means about the process and then also how that uh, guided um, the tour? Or the visit? Yeah, so under, I think, normal circumstances, uh, papal visits are um, cause for a lot of celebration and uh, it's for um, very positive sorts of sorts of things and um, there's a great excitement that comes with it. And what made this so different is um, Pope Francis, when the delegation went to Rome, um, listened to what the people had to say. Listen to what the delegation and the elders were saying. Um, he heard their opinions and their voices and their hurts and their hopes and things like that and, and um, really listened carefully to them, you could tell. And uh, so then came on this uh, pilgrimage, uh, this penitential pilgrimage. And uh, so it's historic because there hasn't been a papal visit that has been penitential before. Uh, so this is the first time that, that that has occurred that we know of in, in history, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and another thing about um, the nature of this penitential or, or a pilgrimage of penance, I believe is the term that Pope Francis mm -hmm. used, is as much as, like Julia said, there's a lot of voices who were heard in the delegation to Rome, the Holy Father coming... Uh, to Canada, also in different sorts of ways. However, there could, there is legitimately many, many Indigenous people who say, my voice was not heard in any of this process. And for thousands and thousands of Indigenous people, this is true. And one part of it is a problem to do with numbers, right? We all appreciate the face-to-face -face part of reconciliation. It's so powerful. It should be said there's been different reconciliation efforts, especially around Indian residential schools and even the whole aspect of colonialism and, and lots of things that come along with that. Over decades, there's been different aspects in the Catholic Church, other church denominations. But what made this one particularly special, it was there was a face, Pope Francis. 
It's different with all due respect to different institutions, even the Canadian government, where there's been decrees and apologies made in Parliament far away in Ottawa. But this time was different. The head of the Catholic Church here on earth, Pope Francis, came face to face. And for many people, seeing that human face, knowing that, no, this isn't the man that perpetrated these things to my family, but here's someone who comes to me, right? And this is why it's so amazing talking about this in Advent. It's an incarnational, it's a, it's a presence. So part of reconciliation is you need a presence to be there. Now, for the voices that were not heard, um, I would say reconciliation between human beings is never perfect. And there's gaps that have been there and things that have been missed and will continue to. And so, for example, when I do wrong my wife and I say I'm sorry, almost assuredly, I'm never going to apologize perfectly because I'm not even aware I don't even have the capacity to make things right. I can make things wrong pretty quick, but it's tougher for me to make them right. And so therefore, um, in the aspects and the challenge of the reconciliation is like, with so much hurt, it's like, you know what? I feel like I didn't get all the way heard. You're right. Not doubting that at all. However, are we able to take, even if it that is that nugget of reconciliation, that's put forward, can we take that and use that on the pathway to healing and peace? Yeah, amen. That's bang on what you're saying, hey, about Advent. We're talking about the the presence coming incarnate to us that brings about reconciliation for us all. Like, that is so bang on, Adam. Um, so, in this, in this very big, you know, adventure you guys have been on. And I do want to say, Julia, I believe that you actually designed vestments that the Holy Father wore. Is that correct? I don't want to lose that because that's a truly amazing artistic feat. Yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, I was uh, I was asked by um, some other leaders on the team if I would design vestments for the Pope when he celebrated Mass at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. And uh, so that was another very quick thing to work on. A lot of um, prayer and discernment right away. <laughs> and um, and then I spent time working on sketches and trying to f- find out uh, what did I, what, what was I feeling led to, to share through this? What did I hope people would experience when they were looking at it? Would they feel something? Would they see something? Would they see the story in it themselves and be able to learn something from it? Um, uh, I, I myself, as I was designing it and even afterwards I was looking at it and more and more things started come to mind as I was reflecting just on the design. And, uh, so if it speaks to me, I was hoping it would speak to other people as well. Yeah. I love that. And for yourself, actually, can you remind me, um, of your nation? Uh, I'm from the Niska nation. Did, did your nation know that you were involved in this? Did you have responses maybe even on a smaller like family or, or community level to your involvement? Uh, we did hear some people from the nation who who um, were in conversation about it. And so, yeah, they, they do know. Um, I don't know if everyone does, but uh, yeah, we did hear some, some from some people who who said that uh, that they saw this going on. So 
<clears throat> so in this, I guess, what would be, and this is a question, I guess, in some ways, just for what you witnessed, because like you were saying, Adam, you can't be the voice for everything that happened. And it is a complicated, we're talking about, you know, thousands of people involved and, and lots and lots of things. But from what you witnessed, what is the fruit of this journey? And, and what is the continuing fruit of it? Why did it matter? Like, why did this happen? Was I, I'm not actually trying to accuse um, Pope Francis of being wrong here, but like, why did he need to do this? Why did he need to say yes to this? I think, uh, yes, going kind of backwards from your questions, it did need to happen. Uh, I think when there's a party who feels hurt, and they ask for a way and they open a way for reconciliation, uh, then the other, the other party should honor that and, and respect that and, and be able to do what they can to uh, mend things. And um, yeah, I think some of the things that we witnessed and, or that I witnessed, I can speak for myself and you can speak for yourself, um, the the healing stories that we we heard taking place, uh, for example, there was one man who was being driven back to where the buses were picking people up, and it was after Masquachis and after the the first apology, and um, he said his parents and grandparents both went to were taken to residential schools, and he himself went to day school, and uh, he said for the longest time he he held pain in his heart for his grandparents and for his parents. And he was holding on to that. And he said he just, he wasn't able to forgive. And he said, when he heard that apology, it affected him in such a way that he, he said to the person who was driving him back to the bus pickup, he said, I finally feel that on behalf of my grandparents and my parents and myself that I'm, I'm ready to forgive. And if that affected one person that way, that makes it worth it. Um, this is a, a coming together, a building back up of, of community, of bringing families back together, of bringing community together, of uh, acknowledging the human dignity that we're called to show, show people. And that's kind of the root of the problem, I think, when it, where this all started, is that when, when we don't treat others with the dignity that they deserve... Um, we get to start to go down this this hole of uh, of things going wrong and getting out of place. And so this is a steering back on course. This is a, a way forward. And uh, yeah, there's I think there's great hope for for peace and healing to come for for people and families. And so to the your point of or the question, did this need to happen? Let's talk about that. So in the entire lead up to the historic papal visit to Canada in July of 2022, there was also significant voices um, from different sides saying this should not happen. And so let me kind of briefly outline a little bit of that because it's important for context. And this is not to paint good guys or bad guys. So, for example, 
there is a a small um, a silent but actually significant population in the Catholic communities in Canada who thought, why is this happening? Why is Pope Francis coming and apologizing for something that no one alive here did? It wasn't actually ordained by the church to do this. There, were, You can make a case that certain bishops, priests, non-religious kind of worked out of order and did this. So why is there an apology? And have we looked at all the facts? And so there's a significant but silent part that we've kind of heard listening to people. And so they're saying this is inappropriate. There's also some other voices um, from uh, more uh, indigenous communities saying, you know what? We don't want your apology. This is not acceptable. What's been done is horrific. How dare you come here and try to make a show of this? And once again, I'm just kind of putting out these. I'm not saying I'm agreeing. I'm not saying even that those points of view don't have their valid uh, aspects. Uh, so we had seen and we felt heat from both sides, let's say. And not that Indigenous and Catholics are diametrically opposed. Certainly not the case in this country. Understanding the context, too, that a year previous to this, Catholic churches in Canada were burning and, and desecrated like we've never had in the history of Canada. And many of those churches were on Indigenous grounds and that were, in fact, Indigenous churches. There was a lot of divide even within different Indigenous communities, First Nations communities, and because many of these churches were built by First Nations people for First Nations people who happen to be Catholic. So there's a lot of emotions. So one way to look at things is to not look at things. Meaning, why should we look at this painful issue and risk more pain in this country? Why can't we just let 2021 be what it was and move on? There's also a good percentage of Indian residential school survivors or former students, however term you believe is appropriate, who say, you know what, I've dealt with this in my own ways. Why does this need to be in my face? So is all these things need to be looked at with dignity. And lastly, what I'll say is, there was significant objection to doing this because it could be seen as a political thing on different ends. So meaning that the church is bending the knee to a political will that's not even representative of Indigenous people. Many Indigenous people could look at, we don't want to be made to look like it's okay that you run amok our culture for hundreds of years and now it's okay? No. So ultimately, with all those things there, and my wife and I, because we, our family is a mixed, integrated, Indigenous and non-Indigenous heritage family. Um, so in some ways, we're kind of representative of that Canadian experience. And we felt criticism from both ends. You know, um, on one end, how can you be a race trader to me by some other people 
who I hate to use these terms, but of a you know white nationalist types who are like, how can you do that? And to Julia as well, how can you participate with this activity, right? However, ultimately what we would say to our detractors is we are trying to seek towards peace and reconciliation. What reconciliation does not mean is what happened is okay. We're doing it because what happened was not okay. And why we're seeking peace, it's not just to build, to, to bend our, our will to something that's oppressing us. We're seeking a peace beyond understanding. A peace that's not a lack of challenge, but in that challenge, there's a centering force that's drawing us to something greater. And it's to try to honor those in the past who were done wrong, who did not hear the apology themselves. And so um, all that being said, that's why we made the decision that yes, this is necessary. And, and we wanted to help in whatever small way we could. Thank you both for sharing that. It's really powerful. I hear from you, Julia, that you return to the word dignity of the person. And Adam, I, I keep on hearing the way that when you bring up peace, that there's something about the road to, like when you say reconciliation is saying something was wrong, it's not saying something wasn't wrong, that peace also comes from being seen, right? Like we can't be at peace when it's like the person can't see us. Like, are we at peace with one another? Like, you can't even acknowledge me. And I read this in the catechism. I'm just going to read it for a second because it, it speaks so much to what both of you are saying. And it says in the catechism in regards to peace, respect for and development of human life require peace. Peace is not merely the absence of war, and it is not limited to maintaining a balance of powers between adversaries. Peace cannot be attained on earth without safeguarding the goods of persons, free communication among men, respect for the dignity of persons and peoples. Peace is the tranquility of order. Peace is the work of justice and the effect of charity. And I just was like, that's exactly what you guys are talking about. Peace is not this, you know, when we think about secular culture and we talk about peace nowadays, peace so often comes off as like uh, maybe a feeling or a state that you're trying to get yourself calmed down enough for a moment that you're like, yeah, okay, I feel peace. Peace is the work of justice and the effect of charity. So, you know, we're talking about love and doing what is right is where we find peace. And, and then that we know that the Prince of Peace is Christ. And so this, this combination of justice and love is found perfectly in our Savior. And so how beautiful that when you say, you know, we're getting back on course in, in, this, in this issue or when we're looking at this, when we're walking towards justice and love in the work of peace, that course is the, is the course of Christ. Um, so I'm just so grateful with what you're sharing about this journey you've been on. I'm really curious, both because your work, Adam, within the diocese and Julia, your work within Alpha in a Catholic context, um, you overlap with divine renovation in terms of renewal of parishes and our interest in, in parishes being thriving. And so I'm really interested, what is the connection of reconciliation and renewal? 
Can we? Okay. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> sure. Well, it's worth thinking about. So, um, all right. So we've been talking a lot about uh, our involvement with this papal visit to Canada, this pilgrimage of penance, as Pope Francis put it, that he gave that title for himself. And by the way, he didn't impose that on anyone else. He's just said personally, that's what he's doing. Um, and so with, so it's a model, I think, of reconciliation that it's huge. It's part of the history of Western civilization, Canada, because even though it was supposed to be focused on Indian residential schools, which primarily the focus was, you can't help but having all these other issues come to light. And frankly, in different ways they were. And it's sort of like, okay, so let's take that. That's on the, the mega, the meta level. About, let's bring it now down to parish. I would challenge for listeners to the, the podcast here. You probably can think of a thing or two that's kind of dysfunctional in your own home parish. Right? Maybe issues of falling out with... Uh, a certain parish group doesn't like how they're taking too, uh, another group's taking too much cupboard space in the parish hall. And now we've got to have a meeting. And, and uh, the ushers are not happy how now they're being asked to set up the tables for the CWL's um, fundraising night because that's not what they're supposed to do. And they've been run rampant over COVID doing all the restrictions and all these things that have happened and all these things. Or it's like, you know, here's comes the new priest and we don't like the new priest because, well, we used to have a coffee Sunday, but now we're not doing that. You know, all these things. And I, I know by saying it in this sort of way, it makes kind of light of things. And, and there are serious things though in parishes. And I'm not comparing light things to the heavy things that we've been talking about together here today. However, though, um, there's need for reconciliation even within parishes. Why? Because we have a wounded body of Christ. We do, right? And so we're walking, you know, we've, it's that old uh, saying there, um, you know, the church is a, a hospital for sinners, right? And so that means that there's also a focus and a good hope that we're getting better. We have to have that hope. So with parish reconciliation, what that means is, is there issues to be reconciled between church and indigenous people? Yes, but also maybe church and other groups of people, other faiths, people of non-faith. What about people who have had ex horrible experiences in a church context? These are real. And maybe even scarier. Have you contributed to that? And so reconciliation, though, is a recognition that something's out of order. That something is not at peace. And to put it back into order in that encounter brings peace. And the peace, like you mentioned from the catechism there, it's not that there's just a lack of stuff happening and now I can just kind of like, ah, oh, I can just chill. 
there's lots of ways that people can kind of just chill in this world. You know, you can use substances and get yourself in this altered state, but that's not peace. So we're seeking a reconciliation that draws us towards a peace of, of being on right aim. And it doesn't mean like all the nonsense goes away because there's lots of nonsense, right? And so within parishes, what can that mean? Can it mean about like, you know what? Maybe I can be a little bit more considerate to our parish secretary who's been kind of run off her feet and she doesn't complain about it. Maybe I can be a little bit more considerate to maybe uh, my parish priest who um, who's dealing with a lot of different stuff and stuff I don't know about. And yeah, I'd love them to come and attend this event with us, but if they can't, and I even if I think it's really, really important, maybe I just got to give that up to the Lord in a sense of peace, knowing who's in charge. And finally, can I become a peacemaker? So am I one that's able to extend mercy, charity, which is love, right? To will the good of the other above thyself. That's what we see as Christian love. To do that. And then what about if we extend that further into families? Wow. What if I'm able to speak to an estranged family member? You know? That totally reminds me of the, it's the quote from Mother Teresa about peace when she reflects on mother uh, on, on peace. And she says the, uh, that peace and war begin at home. And it, that if we truly want peace in the world, let us begin by loving one another in our own families. And I think it's, it's so profound what you're saying in terms of that peace, it, when we think about trying to have peace in our homes, and this is the moment where listener, if you're being honest, like, did you just have a fight in the car with your family? <laughs> like, you know, like peace in our homes, peace in our parishes. This is not a trite thing to say, let us be reconciled one to each other as, as Christ is to us. Like, that is not an easy thing to ask of someone. So when we look at, at you're saying, you know, the macro and the micro, like when we look at that big picture of what you guys were doing, it's amazing, but also I can feel a little bit removed from it. But when it is my home, my parish, and that that responsibility I am empowered to be part of, it's not just like, uh, this is awkward and uncomfortable, so I'm going to step back. No, I'm part of the family. I went through a hard time when I was in my second year of university. Um, I just had a lot of sad things happen, and I felt really angry at God. Um, I knew that I still believed he was there, but I was just angry. And part of my anger came out at the church. And I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I don't know why I need this part. Like, God, you're real, but I'm angry at the church. And um, that year I took a course. Um, there's a little Catholic college on the corner of my um, university campus. And I took a course on the church and the sacraments. And uh, and I read Chris Fidelli's Leachy. And and it was such a change for me in terms of recognizing the role of the church in our lives and in our faith and my role in it so that I could not abscond. I could not abdicate from being part of the church and, and being a child of God. And, and so that it, 
I, there's nothing wrong with us critiquing our own family, right? Critiquing our own, like when I say the church, like our own family and going, we need to change this. That is right for us to do. But at the same time to recognize, and I am part of it. So if there is a problem, I'm part of it and I'm responsible as well. Um, that I don't hold myself apart from this. So the things that we see going on, we have to go as family. We are part of this. A- and so that reconciliation is for the peace of all of us. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, Julia, um, speaking to what we were just going into that huge <laughs> thing that I recognize I went on a little bit of a tangent, Um what do you see as, um, for yourself, just peace this Advent? Where are you finding peace? Or if it's not if it's not something that you find, where is it that you are sitting in it? In a, in a tangible way, this, this Advent, um, I, during, during Advent and Lent, I write daily reflections. And uh, I have a, like an email list of, of people who have signed up for them that I send them out to. And uh, so once again, this year, I'm writing daily reflections. And so a lot of what I'm doing is I'm just uh, really pouring over the scriptures. And uh, one thing that I'm trying to look at is um, the kind of theme that we're, we're doing this year is we're calling Christmas presence, but it's like God's presence with us. And uh, so one thing that I've been looking at is where do we see Christ in the Old Testament? Um, so looking at the Old Testament specifically, through a Christ lens. And uh, there are some stories and some verses that are coming up that um, uh, I've been reading and uh, I don't think I've actually ever really read them before. And so, which is funny because I have read the Bible before and um, there's just some new things coming up and it's either I forgot about them or I just hadn't realized it or I hadn't made the connection before in, in seeing Christ in the Old Testament. And um, seeing the presence of God and where he makes himself known to people and um, sends angels to make announcements to people. And uh, so just delving into the scriptures and, and trying to live in, in that, that world, for, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, walking with those people, uh, Ruth and Naomi and Samson and um, Samuel and all of these different figures and uh, seeing how God speaks to them and how he is present to them and how we can be mindful of that and seeing, seeing God and Christ in, in our daily life and how he's present to us and makes himself known, whether through prayer or song or through people that we encounter and um, really asking what what is this encounter with this person? What does that mean? What is God trying to show me? Or is there something that I can show that it's encouraging to them or an uplifting for them or hope for them? And uh, yeah. <laughs> also, when we, we talk about Advent, Christmas, peace, and one uh, point of kind of visualizing with maybe a lot of um, people listening to this might think of Advent is like, we think of like the peace of Christmas. And in some ways, it's very easy to. In your own kind of um, sacred imagination, I'll say, you might think of um, the infant Christ with Mary, Joseph, 
and um, and the arrival of the Magi and the reception of the Magi, and there's a peace, and here's your Prince of Peace. And we think of that, oh, um, silent night and that peace. But also we must remember that this is the same Christ that says peace when he first approached again. So I want to set this up so we can kind of really enter into it. And that is, what about for the times that you've been betrayed? People that were supposed to stand up for you didn't, and you were innocent, and you were mocked or punished unjustly, right? This now we remember at the crucifixion of Jesus, where people, even those supposed to be close to him, almost all, but not all, but almost all scattered. And then the resurrected Christ comes back and emerges to speak to the apostles in that upper room. The first thing that he says, and you might think if it was like you or I, it's like our friends failed us. They were cowards. They left. They sold us out. It's like, you guys, I'm going to get you. I'm going to, you got a price to pay. The first thing then with all this just like betrayal and the sadness of like all that is humanity. But Christ, as he returns, the first thing of his mouth is peace to you. He says to those who fled from him. Wow. So this presence, let's not like box in what truly this peace that the incarnation brings us is. It brings us to, it's not just a, a child that's brought, that represents the hope of the world. Yes, it's that, but it's more. It's when the hope of the world fails you, or frankly, more realistically, you fail it. That the Lord doesn't condemn you to that. That the Lord, as he's resurrected in that new life, he brings that to you. And the first thing that he says to you is peace to you. So then for us, do we accept this Christmas present? Do we accept this present? Do we open it? Do we accept that peace of the Lord? We don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But it's brought to us. And so that's one thing I think about in Advent and connecting that to our own stories here today. I love that. I just really hope listeners, wherever you are, as you listen to this and join with us in conversation right now, that you hear that that's for you that there is the presence waiting for you, that peace is for you, is for each of us, that none of us um, get left out. We're all, we are all invited to this gift. Thank you both so much for sharing today. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you've shared of your hearts and your journey. Um, and Julia, I'm wondering, would you be willing to pray for us all today? Pray for the church, pray for... In, you know, for parishes, for parishes that are at tough places and wanting a way forward. Could you pray for us as we are in this Advent season? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you that through this Advent, we can come to this time of reflection as it leads up to the time of remembering your birth. We thank you that you have shown us what true reconciliation and what true peace is. 
Lord, we pray for those times in our own lives that we fail to show that reconciliation and work towards it, that you give us the courage and the strength to move forward. Lord, we pray for our parishes. We pray for renewal in them. We pray for your Holy Spirit to to come and fill all the parishes and uh, allow them to experience your joy and the deepness of your love. We pray for this remaining time of our, our Advent season as we lead into the joy of Christmas. We pray this through your most holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Julia and Adam, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. You too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode on peace at the end of our Advent series for the Divine Renovation Podcast. If you want to learn more about parish renewal and how to get involved, check us out at divinerenovation.org. And now we can officially welcome the Christmas season. So from the whole team at Divine Renovation, we pray that your Christmas season is full of hope, love, joy, and peace.